give God praise for who he is and what he does. Amen. Uh, welcome to Cathedral of Faith. So glad that you're here this weekend. All those who are here on campus, wherever you're at on campus, those of you out there in the amphitheater, the coffee shop, here in the main building, in the chapel, those watching online, all of our different sites, can we say together, God is good? And all the time, Boy, and for the next few weeks, we're going to celebrate the goodness of God when it comes to our identity. We begin a series called This Is Us. Do we know who we are? Do we know what we have? It seems to me that in our culture, our culture is having what you might call an identity crisis. How do you define yourself? Do you define yourself by your career, do you find yourself? Do you define yourself by your family? Do you find, define yourself by your achievements? Do you define yourself by your ethnicity? How do you define yourself? Do you define yourself by social media? Do you find, define yourself by the money you have? Now, there's so much confusion when it comes to identity. It's even affected Superman. I found this one picture. It said. Superman's at a therapist, and he said, I've been called a bird and a plane. Sometimes I feel like I don't even know who I am. <laughs> wow, even tomatoes are having identity crisis. The tomato says, am I a fruit or a vegetable? It's struggling with who it is. <laughs> and when it comes to identity, there are so many in our culture that are asking that question, who am I really? And it seems to me if you're struggling with your identity, the best place to look is to the God who created us. Amen? Amen? That he would have the defining word in our life. And when we look at his word and we turn to a place in the Bible, if you were to say, Pastor Ken, what's the one place in the Bible that really locks in on the subject of who I am? Well, it would be the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians. It's my dad's favorite book of the Bible, and we're going to look at those first three chapters over the next few weeks, and we're going to think about this big question. Who are we really? Do we know who we are? Because when you know who you are, then you'll know what to do. Let me say that again. When you know who you are, then you'll know what to do. Who you are is a very fundamental question that we need to ask and answer. I am who God says I am, amen? amen? And so that's the journey we're on, and I'm so glad that you're here with us on that journey. Now, this is the big idea for this weekend that we find in Ephesians chapter one. This idea is that this is us, and we are blessed. We are blessed. Can somebody say amen? Everybody stand with me for just a moment. We're going to read this verse from Ephesians out loud together. And let's fill this place with the word of God. Everyone say this with me. Give praise to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Can we say that phrase again? Every spiritual blessing. How many? Let's say it again. Every spiritual blessing. Those blessings come from the heavenly world. They belong to us 
because we belong to Christ. Can we give God praise? Amen. We are blessed. You like good news? You know, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And Jesus is building his church all around the Bay Area. Yesterday at our Gilroy campus, we had four people who were baptized declaring that they are now followers of Jesus. Can we give God praise? Amen. Our Morgan Hill campus, Michelle, who sang that special, leads worship down there. They just celebrated their ninth anniversary. Can we give God praise for the Morgan Hill campus? Then our Eastside campus, just last week, they celebrated their seventh anniversary. Can we give God praise for the Eastside campus? And one of the leaders gave me a t-shirt. He dropped by this week and he gave me a t-shirt because this is a t-shirt. They don't call themselves the east side. Instead, can you see this? They call themselves the blessed side. The blessed side. See? You live on the east side? No, I live on the blessed side. And that's the big idea for the weekend. You know, where, where are you at in the Bay Area? Pastor Kim, where do you live? Do you live in the North Bay? Do you live in the South Bay? Do you live in the East Bay? Do you live in the West Bay? What side of the Bay Area do you live on? I live on the blessed side, amen? As followers of Jesus, we live on what side of town? Amen. Before you're seated, turn to someone and tell them, we live on the blessed side. Go ahead. Want that to get in your spirit. Let it take hold of your mind and your heart. This is such a very big deal. Do you know who you are? And do you know what you have? There's a show that my wife loves to watch. It's called The Antique Roadshow. Have you seen it? And so what people do is they find old stuff in their house and they bring it out to the show, and then experts evaluate the stuff to see if it's just junk or if it qualifies as an antique. And every once in a while, they stumble across something. Uh, she found this one show in which a guy brought this painting. Now, his great-grandparents had bought this painting on a trip to Mexico back in the 30s. And they brought it back, and the painting, you know, it became in disrepair, and they, they stuck it on the wall. You know how you take a poster, and you just stick it up on the wall somewhere, and it was hidden by a door, and nobody really saw it, and you got this old beat-up painting hanging on the wall like a poster that nobody sees, and he thinks, well, maybe I'll take it to the show and find out if it's worth anything. So he takes it to the show, and they say, this is a painting by a famous painter by the name of Diego Rivera. He painted this when he was 18 years old. It's the missing piece out of his collection. And so this painting that he had in the wall on his house like a poster, they told him it is worth one million dollars. Hello. 
And the expression on his face, let me show you how it changed. He looked like this, but then he looked like this. Are you kidding me? <laughs> he couldn't believe it. When you find out what you have is so amazing. And so the writer of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul, he starts writing, and I think he has this expression on his face. As he's writing about the blessed side of town, he starts writing and writing and writing. He's captured by what he's writing. He starts writing and writing and writing. He can't, well, he doesn't come up for air. He keeps writing and writing and writing, and what we end up with is the longest sentence in the New Testament. And the original language, verses 3 through 14, is one long sentence. It's a 202-word sentence. Talk about a mouthful of blessing. You start writing about the blessed side. Where do you stop? Where do we live, friends? We live on what side of town? It's the side. town. <gasps> Let it get hold of you. Do you know who you are? Do you know what we have? And do you know why we have what we have? We have what we have because we are in Christ. 11 times in these 11 verses, Paul is going to bring up this idea of being in Christ, that we have what we have and we are what we are because we belong to Jesus. It is not because of what we have done, it is because of what he has done. It is not because we are perfect, it is because he is perfect. It is not because we are so good. It is because he is so good. That is the reason you and I live on the blessed side of town. It's all about Jesus. Can we give him praise? Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. What side of town do we live on? We live on the, the blessed side of town. I pray that this takes hold of your mind and your heart today. Because you'll leave here transformed when you know who you are. You'll know what to do. Well, that blessed side of town, it starts off, you can follow along, there's an outline in your bulletin. It starts with this idea that we have been chosen and adopted. What a very big deal this is. Chosen and adopted. Look at what Ephesians 1 says. God chose us to belong to Christ before the world was created. Talk about a mind bender. He chose us to be holy and without blame in his eyes. He loved us. Can somebody say amen? amen? So he decided long ago to adopt us. He adopted us as his children with all the rights children have. Can somebody say amen? amen. He did it because of what Jesus Christ has done. It pleased him to do it. He wanted to. And this is such a big idea. Uh, I have a grandson by the name of Elijah. And recently it was his spring break. And so him and grandpa did something together. He wanted to get a little tattoo. 
And so him and I, we went to one of these places where they put on fake tattoos and we got all tatted up. We got two anchors and he put Elijah under his and I put Elisa under mine. And we just had a great time, a lot of laughs and wow, you know, look at those guns. I'm going to have to get a permit to carry those things around. Amen. (laughs) But so (laughs) everybody's got to have a dream. Amen. But here's the deal. I, I, there was a psychologist years ago. I remember him hearing this. I, I remember him saying this, and I put this into practice. And every once in a while, what I do with Eli is I'll grab him, and I'll sit him on my lap, and I'll wrap my arms around him, and I'll look him right in the eye. And I'll say, Eli, I'll say, if I could pick anybody, I mean anybody, if I had my choice, and I could pick anybody in the whole world to be my grandson, I would pick you Every single time. And when I do that, he gets this big smile on his face. And I get this big smile on mine. I want him to know that I'm his papa, not because I have to, but because I want to. And then you come to this big idea that the God of the universe, the heavenly father, He chooses us, not because he has to, but because he wants to. I thought I made a decision about God. I did. But before I made a decision about God, God made a decision about me. Before I was running after God, God was running after me. Before I sought after God, there was God seeking after me. Before the world was created, I was on the mind and the heart of God, and he adopts me into his family because he loves me. He doesn't have to. He wants to, and it brings him great pleasure. What a powerful truth. We've been chosen and adopted by God. Let's give him praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. It's just amazing. Psychologists say that one of our great fears is this fear of abandonment that we have as human beings. And in the first century, it really was a culture of abandonment. Because what would happen in the first century when a baby was born, it would be brought and set at the feet of a father. And if for any reason the father did not want the baby, if it wasn't the right gender, if it wasn't the right size, if it didn't have the right color eyes, if there was a defect, if there there was a birthmark, if for any reason the father did not want the baby, the father would send it away And the the baby would be abandoned in the open, exposed to the elements, and left up to the fate of the gods. And in this culture of abandonment come these amazing words. God loves you, and he chose you, and he picked you out. And he picked you up and he took you home to be part of his family. 
The, the defining moment of your life is not who throws you out. The defining moment of your life is who takes you in. You have been chosen and adopted by God. Hallelujah. Talk about a powerful truth. Let that form the rock-solid core of your identity. Because if you live long enough, listen, if you live long enough, you will get dumped. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I heard about a guy, he'd been dating a girl for some time, and so finally he got up the courage to ask her the question. And he said, will you marry me? And she said, no. He said, is there somebody else? And she said, there has to be. <laughs> Don't you hate when that happens? I mean, he lived long enough, and at some point in life, you will get dumped. You'll get cut from the basketball team. You won't get asked to the prom. You won't get into the school you wanted to. You'll get laid off from a job. You'll get unliked on Facebook. <laughs> or going a little deeper, you'll have a child who won't want anything to do with you. You'll have a spouse who may walk out on you you'll have a friend who turns their back on you there'll be moments in life where you feel rejected unwanted and you feel abandoned and in those moments we have to go back to our rock solid core I know who I am I am who God says I am the most defining moment of your life is not who threw you out it's who took you in God picked you up picked you out, brought you home. You are a child of the almighty God. Hallelujah. And your heavenly father, listen to these words. He says this about you. He says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Somebody needs to know that this weekend. That God says to you as a father, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. God doesn't love us because we're pretty or because we're smart. God doesn't love us because we have money or because we're famous. God doesn't love us because of what we do. God loves us because of who he is. And before the beginning of time, God, we were on the heart of God and the mind of God. And God chose us because he loved us and it brought him pleasure. This is the thing that forms the rock solid core of our identity. I am a child of the almighty God. Let's give God praise. Hallelujah. It's a very big deal. Uh, I found these little clips on YouTube where these kids find out that this is the day of their adoption. Watch these videos and let it take hold of your heart. To court for the adoption. <laughs> really? Yep. You're lying. Today's your day. 
Congratulations, last one. What is that? Last picture frame. Read it. <laughs> Can you read it? Yeah. Out loud? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that powerful? Oh my. To be adopted is a very big deal. And the God of the universe, you were on his mind and his heart from eternity. And he said, I love you. I want to make you a part of my family. I've adopted you, friend. When this is the rock solid core of your identity, that's how you know who you are. When you know who you are, you'll know what to do. Can we give God praise for who we are? We're adopted, chosen. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, what side of town do we live on? The blessed side of town. Now let's watch that blessing just continue. Now next we see that not only are we chosen and adopted, we're redeemed and forgiven. This again is a very big deal. What defines your life? The Bible says in Ephesians 1, 7, 8, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us redemption and freedom. One of my favorite stories is about a little boy who's with his mom and they're waiting to cross the street. And they are not too far from where the county jail is located at. And while they're waiting to cross the street, there's a guy who just got let out of jail and he walks through the doors and he's just happy to be out. And he starts saying, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. And the little boy looks up at his mom and says, big deal, I'm four. <laughs> it is a big deal to be free. And this idea of redemption, what is that word about? Back in the first century, slavery was a part of the economy. You had six million slaves in the Roman Empire, and Ephesus was the center of the slave trade. They would buy and sell people like pieces of property. And yet, if you wanted to step up and do something out of the box, something noble, you could say, I want to buy that slave. It may be a low price or a high price. You could buy a slave, and then you could set them free. And there was a word for that. The word was called redemption. When you hear redemption, think freedom. Because this is what Jesus has done for us. Jesus went to the cross and he paid the price. He shed his blood so that we can go free. That's how much you're valued by him. A lady last night asked me to pray for her son who was considering fighting thoughts of suicide. And we prayed, friend, if you've been battling thoughts of suicide, let the word redemption speak to your heart. Do you know how much you're valued by God? Jesus was willing 
to shed his blood, to pay the price so that you could go free. Your life is too valuable to throw it away. Jesus paid the price to set you free. Hallelujah. Know that today. This freedom, it's speaking to somebody even now. What defines you? What are you letting define you? Are you enslaved by something this weekend? And that slavery has defined your life. You can be set free from your guilt and your shame. You can be set free from your pride and your addiction. You can be set free from your resentment or your bitterness. Jesus paid the price so that we could find redemption and walk in the freedom that he has given. There was one young man who, he was an angry young man. He grew up in a home where his mom was abusive and an alcoholic, and his dad just kind of checked out. And so he had a lot of anger on the inside of him. And here's the thing about anger. You hold on to anger, and it holds on to you. And eventually that anger became resentment and bitterness. And bitterness will enslave your life. It begins to rule your mind and your heart. And your life begins to be defined by that bitterness, and it shackles your future. But then he met a couple from this church, Grady and Janine O'Neill. Janine plays guitar for us every weekend here at Cathedral of Faith. And they took him under. Yeah, let's give God praise for Grady and Janine. They took this young man under their wing, and he started helping out at their music studio. And then this young man came to church, and eventually this man, well, he found the family that he never had. He turned his over, life over to Jesus, and Jesus set him free. Can we give God praise? Amen. <laughs> Jesus set Oscar free. He was free from that bitterness, and now... Wow, it just keeps getting better. His dad is coming to our Cathedral of Faith Spanish-speaking service. God has a way of setting us and our family free. Let's give God praise. Amen? <laughs> Hallelujah! I want you to know something today. Don't let slavery define your life. Let freedom be the word that defines your life. Because God's grace is enough. It's more than enough to set you free. In fact, there's a little phrase. It's nuanced. If you read too fastly, you go right by it. That talks about how powerful his grace is. The phrase is this. That God doesn't give us grace from his riches. God gives us grace according to his riches. And there's a slight difference. Let me see if I can illustrate it. Are there any Warrior fans in the house? Any Warrior fans? Let me hear it, Warrior fans. Yeah. So let's say after church, you run into the owner of the Warriors. And he says, I want to bless you. I'm going to give you one ticket 
to the first round of the playoffs. It's in the nosebleed section. You'll have to stand up during the game, but I want to bless you with that ticket. Well, that would be a blessing from his riches. But let's say you run into the owner of the Warriors and he says, I want to bless you. I want to give you tickets to all the playoff games. I want to give you courtside seats where you can smell the breath of Kevin Durant. (laughs) Right there in the middle of the action. That would be a blessing according to his riches. God doesn't give us grace from his riches. God gives us courtside seats according to his riches. That's the kind of God we serve. God's grace is more than enough. Let me tell you, friend, you will run out of need before God runs out of grace. His grace is more than enough to set you free. Amen? Walk in that freedom. Hallelujah. What side of town do we live on? We live on the the blessed side of town. Boy, now we start to wrap things up. There's so much to talk about. But next, we we finally wrap things up with this last big idea. We live on the blessed side because we've been signed and sealed. This is so amazing. Look at what the Bible says. It says, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit, a down payment, guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who were God's possessions. Wow. That God puts his spirit in us. When we travel, my wife and I, we have these black suitcases. Have you ever stood at baggage claim (laughs) And noticed how many black suitcases there are. (laughs) That you're looking for your suitcase and you think it's yours and you grab it and it's not yours. And you wait some more and then, oh, that one's mine and you grab it and that's not yours either. And then you're waiting and you're sure this is yours. You grab it, you pull it off. And then this big guy with real tattoos grabs your arm and says, that's not yours either. And you say, I know, sir, I was just getting it for you. Would you like some coffee? (laughs) So my wife and I, we finally got smart. And we got some tags. Can you see the bag tag that we got? The bag tag says, mine. Would you say that with me? Mine. Say it again. Mine. Because when this bag comes around and I see that tag, I know it's mine. (laughs) Listen to this amazing truth. When you become a follower of Jesus, the same spirit, catch this, the same spirit that hovered over the waters at the creation of the world, the same spirit that brought Jesus back from the dead to begin the new creation, That same spirit comes to dwell on the inside of us. This is a spiritual reality. Do you know who you are? Do you know what you have? The Holy Spirit 
dwells on the inside of you. It's God's way of marking you, of saying, you are mine. You don't belong to the world. You don't belong to the devil. Devil, take your hands off of God's suitcase. This suitcase belongs to God. Amen? God looks at you and says, mine. It's a powerful, powerful truth. And not only that, but God says the Holy Spirit is like a down payment. We all know what a down payment is. If, if you decide to, to write a check as a down payment for a home in the Bay Area, if you can find a home in the Bay Area and you decide to write a check as a down payment, a down payment is a promise. It's a guarantee that there's still more to come. And if you buy a home in the Bay Area, it's a promise that there's still a lot more to come. God puts his spirit in us as a down payment. Catch this, that there's still more to come. There's still a lot more to come. Now the presence of the spirit, it brings some of heaven right here on earth. And we get a taste, we get a taste of the joy of heaven and the peace of heaven and the love of heaven. Can somebody say amen? Amen. We get a taste of the life of heaven and the goodness of heaven and the beauty of heaven. Can somebody say amen? Amen. And yet the Bible says it's only a taste. It's a down payment. This is good, but it's not as good as it gets. That there's still more to come. There's a lot more to come. The Bible says, eye has not seen, nor ear has heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Can we give God praise? Amen. That's you. That's me. Whoa. The spirit is a down payment of that great day. So many of you have asked about my dad, and and let me just say thank you so much, Cathedral family, for asking about my dad and for praying about my dad. My dad is 87 years old, and in fact, he's watching online right now. Can we give up a big hand for my dad and the legacy of my dad? I love you, dad. My dad has been battling cancer for really about 15 years. And this week, we'll find out where the battle's at. Here's the thing. We know no no matter how this particular battle turns out, we know who wins the war. Amen? And so we'll find out about this current battle. But every day, we're making the most of every day that we do have. I call him every morning, and I start off the phone call with, I say this, this is the day the Lord has made. And he says, I will rejoice and be glad in it. That's how we start off every day. And we've had some great talks together. And the other night, I was over the house, and he was talking about memories. And he said, I've had such a great life, not an easy life. There's a difference, friend, between an easy life and a great life. He said, I've had such a great life. And then he looked at me, and he had this calm assurance I can't tell you the look in his eyes. It was an amazing assurance. And he said, I'd like to be around a while longer to enjoy the grandkids and the great-grandkids. 
But he said, Ken, I'm not afraid of dying. How do you say that? How do you look the enemy of death in the face and say, I'm not afraid of you? Because when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, the power of the Spirit dwells inside of you and you know that there is more to come. The best is yet to come. That heaven is your home. That you have been signed and sealed and delivered from the fear of death. Victory is ours through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah! Oh, what side of town do we live on? We live on the... The what? The the blessed side of town. You know, Pastor Vaughn and the team, they're going to get ready for what is a... I mean, it's the only way to really end this sermon. They're going to be the conclusion to the sermon. But as they're getting ready, you know, why? Why are we blessed like this? What should be our response to this blessing? You know, I would suggest that our response should be to to bless the one who blesses us. That time and again you see in Ephesians 1 this phrase, that all of this is about to the praise of his glorious grace, for the praise of his glory, for the praise of whose glory? Whose glory? glory. Not my glory, but his glory. That it's all about God. That when his blessing takes hold of you, you begin to live your life as one big thank you back to God, that it's all about God and I live for the praise of his glory. It's not how great I am, it's how great God is. It really boils down, if you want to think of it this way, do you have a dog theology or do you have a cat theology? How many have dogs? Let me see your hands. How many have cats? Let me see your hands. I I respect you, I don't understand you, but I respect you. (laughs) Let's say a dog and a cat has the same master. You guys will get this. And that master treats them both so well. I mean, it feeds the, feeds the dog and the cat, pets the dog and the cat, takes them to the best vet. I mean, they've got a great place to sleep. Just treats them both so well. And the cat, he looks at how he's been blessed, and he says to himself, I must be awesome. You know how cats are, how great I am, right? But the dog, he looks at all this and he thinks, you know what, I must have an amazing master. How great my master is. And really theology, when it comes down to it, well, do I have a cat theology? I'm blessed and how great I am. Or do I have a dog theology and say, well, I'm blessed, but how great God is. That it's all about him. I live for the praise of his glory. Hallelujah. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us with all spiritual blessing. Pastor Bond's going to lead us. Let your heart get focused on God and have a moment of high praise to him.
my God When I in awesome wonder Consider all The worlds thy hands have made And I see the stars And I hear the rolling thunder Thy power throughout The universe displayed Then sings my soul Is our God? Oh, you're the name of 
Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. What side of town do we live on? The blessed side of town.